0: Oké, okay,
1: amen, liefde woord, midderhand, baie welkom Ons het vir die heren een loof na die worship, my die band ons nie geblesie Kom, ons geef die hand, band een glakke hand van waardering Julle is awesome Nou, net van vir my kant af, een ding, saak ontbijt is hierdie donderdagochtend 6.30 Ons sal so kwart vir 8 klaarmaak Dit is gratis, maar jy moet vooraf registreer, want ons moet weet vir hoeveel ouwens, vir persoene, om gereed te maak vir donderdagochend. So as jy wil langzaam saak aanbuit, as jy op enige manier vir jou sel werk, wil ek het baie sterk aanbeveel. Um, maar ons moet asblief jou registratie kry op die heel laatste, so het in morgenoogend 9 uur, om daar bespreking net vast te maak. So jy kan met die inliklingstoonbank en draai maak, of so moet op die online toonbank um, gaan kyk om vir die saak aanbuit, te registreer daarvoor, so as ek sê, morgenoogend 9 uur, Moet ons aan getalle net afsluit. Wonderlik, um, Mads Dysel het bedien. Dit was een groot blessing as jy getraide paarkie is. En ek vind iemand, maar vooral vir getraide paarkies wil ek raarig sterk aanbeveel. Dat jy kyk na voor ochendse boodskap. En dit is een van die boodskappen een getraide park, wat jy een Ek denk so twee of drie keer miskien na die bediening daarvan nog steeds moet saamkyk en bykie moet praat. Want ik heb jou amper waarborg uit alles wat gedeel is. Is daar iets wat nou vir jou uitstaan, wat jy nou kan werk, en dan, as jy dit weer kyk oor een week of wat, is daar misie iets anders waaran jy kan focus, so ek wil dit raarig baie sterk aanbeveel. Maar vanavond gaan my het so'n bieke ander lijn bedien, um, so as jy, uh, het is diezelfde geld, dan sêk het vanavondse boodskap, maar ek wil graag vraag dat ons ons handen naartoe sal uitsteek, dat ons ons al seen, ons haar toe opstel, dat die heren deur haar ons kan bedien vanavond. As jy nie weet nie, sy gaan in Engels bedien, um, so I just or to things quickly about Mads. Mads is, well, she's a, she functions and works in the Christian counseling environment, but her real passion, and what God has called her to, is not just to do counseling, but also to train counselors, and she's been doing it for a whole lot of churches that's within our circles, so Mads, we're very pleased to have you, we're really excited about what you've got to share this evening, and um, let's pray for Mads and, and open our hearts, and if you're comfortable, please extend your hands. Father, thank you for Mads. Thank you for the gift that you've given to her. Father, this evening as she's preparing to to minister your word, we want to open our hearts and our lives to receive through her what you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. amen. I have no idea what he just said. Our Afrikaans is not very good. In fact, when we were driving up here this morning, my family came with me. And I've got two boys, Josh and Levi. They're seven and nine. And I was telling them what the pastor of the church's name was. I said, his name's Werner. So my hubby says, yeah, you call him Um Werner. So Josh, who's nine, goes, "Um Veranda. So Afrikaans is not a common language for me, but I'm incredibly honored to be here this evening and to be speaking on what does it mean to safeguard unity in marriage. Now, I know I'm speaking to quite a young audience tonight, and so and now we're going to actually be looking at the topic of sex which should be fun. I always get, as the counselor, landed in the deep end with all the, all the kind of tough topics. So if you can carry on giving me some encouragement, then that'll make me feel better. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be looking at what does it mean to safeguard unity? And some of you will be like, oh, well, I'm not married. Well, the first thing I want to say is that what you choose to do with your life today is going to impact your future and specifically your marriage. And so what I, what I do want to share is going to be key for you. And I want to do a very quick, quick, uh, quick recap on just some of the foundational foundations, uh, concepts that I touched on this morning, specifically around Commitment. Now, Matthew 19, verse 6 says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So there's this idea of kind of unity. And that's where I want to be speaking into. How do we safeguard unity? Because as a counselor, I get to hear all the back end stories of people's lives, I get to hear all the hard things that most people don't advertise about. And I want to speak wisdom and insight from those spaces into your hearts so that you have truth to hold on to, truth to apply to your life so that you too can safeguard your marriage that no one will separate it. Now one of the things I'm very aware of is that we live in a culture where the idea of unity and commitment is fading very fast. You see, we live in a world that's driven by FOMO. Instant gratification, quick fixes, replace, discard, a newer model, swipe left, self-centeredness. I'm waiting for perfect. But I'm also fearful. I'm skeptical. I need compatibility. I'm bored. I need change. I'm not committed. Maybe I do. Until divorce, I do part. What we need more of As young people to rise up with character traits of grit, perseverance, endurance, courage, protection, other-centeredness, resilience, determination, perseverance, cherishing, honoring, dependability, hopefulness, teachableness, committed with a solid I do until death I do part. But these traits are not based on emotions. They're based on choice. A decision, a posture, a mindset. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, which is the chapter on love, says it always protects. Are we protecting the unity of marriage? It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And these foundations that I'm speaking about, in a sense, are going to underpin everything that I'm going to be speaking about tonight. And tonight we're going to be talking about some hard stuff. And I want you to know that it's coming from a heart of love. I always teach my counsellors when when you have to speak truth, always make sure it comes with grace. In other words, sometimes you've got to give a person a clap and a hug at the same time. They don't know what came first. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> tonight, how do we safeguard marriage when we look at the topics of sex? And intimacy, and I'm going to be speaking into three behaviors, attitudes that have corroded and jeopardized the space, behaviors that are a direct threats to the safeguard of unity in marriage. And as I said, I know most of you in this room may be single or in a relationship, but the choices you make today will impact your future because somewhere in the world your spouse exists. And the question is this, are you living in a way that is safeguarding the unity of your marriage? Are you making choices to help you become the best version of yourself for your marriage? Don't wait to get married before you become the best version of yourself. Work on it now. Are you protecting and safeguarding your mind and your body and your heart for your spouse? I know it's not an easy journey. I remember I was about ten when i realized that my mom and dad had fallen pregnant with me outside of marriage and it caused a lot of hurts in my life for most of my teens and i remember as young as about 12 13 i decided then there's no ways i'm ever going to do that to my child i'm going to wait until i get married And as a 13-year-old, you kind of think you can conquer the world and you have no clue about the pressures that are about to come. But I'm so glad I made that decision because that decision then got built on because when I got saved at 16, I reaffirmed that this is the right decision that I wanted to make for my life. And then you get into your 20s and everyone around you is sleeping around. And you kind of feel like you're the odd one out. And then you get to your 30s and the movie... 40-year-old virgin comes out. And you're like, oh, Lord, please don't let that be me. And I got married a virgin at 36. And I am so grateful that I was able to give my husband the gift of my purity. Because I know so many of my friends who have wrestled, and I know so many people that I've counseled have wrestled in this space. Because the unity of their marriage was not safeguarded in the choices of their single years. And whatever you do prior to marriage comes into your marriage bed at some point. So one of the things, the first thing that I'm going to be speaking about, which is I think one of the biggest threats to safeguarding unity in marriage today is porn. Porn is one of the fastest growing addictions in the world and in and out the church. In fact, globally, there is a growing body of experts that are declaring that pornography is becoming a public health crisis. A lot of the stats that I'm going to be starting off with sharing with you, I got from an organization called Project Exodus. They come out of a church in Durban, Anthem Church. I know Vanna knows the pastor of that church, Richard Mangavin. And these guys are the leading experts of addiction in South Africa from a Christian perspective. And they're also one of the first Christian churches that are now launching pornography and sex recovery groups specifically focused on those types of addictions. 79% of men and and 73% of women watch porn on a monthly basis. These stats that I've just read are from in the church. 12 to 17-year-olds are are regarded as the largest consumers of porn. 10% of those are under the age of 10. I have counseled already in my years women and men in ministry whose children under the age of 10 are already addicted to hardcore porn and their parents had no idea. On the Google global trend, South Africa is ranked the seventh highest country that searches for online child pornography, and it is the highest for preteen porn. Porn increases infidelity by 300%, and it is cited as a contributing factor to 56% of divorces. The smartphone is the catalyst that has fueled the spread of porn. And a study in the UK states that 53% of children get their first smartphone phone before the age of seven. It's a loaded gun. I've personally spoken to a principal of a high school in Durban who told me that every year there are at least a handful of boys that end up not being able to come to school anymore because their addiction to porn has caused them to function in a way that they actually can't cope anymore in a school environment. Because their need for another fix is so high that they're constantly having to lead class to go get another fix. In 1998. To to, to 2018, there has been a 164,000% increase in porn pages. So let me just give you these numbers. In 1998, there were 14 million porn pages on the internet. By 2018, there were 2.3 billion. That's how fast this industry has grown Unisa did a study in Gauteng at secondary schools in 2017 and it was reported that between, what's it, two-thirds of all learners are generally exposed to porn. Most of it was unintentional because you see the algorithms out there on the internet are designed that they find you. And so innocent search results in young people stumbling across porn. But after exposure, more than 50% of them went back. 15% 15% on a daily basis. There's some really great apps out there. If you're a parent and you're worried already, and you should be, there's one called Safe Surfer. It's come out of New Zealand, designed by Christians. It's an incredible app. It's $5 a month. And you can link as many devices in your home as you want to to, one, to a one-off prescription. But out of all the addictions, porn and sex addiction carries the highest level of Shame. Which is why it often stays in the dark. And as a counselor, one of the things I'm so aware of is that I get to see the schemes and strategies of the enemy because his device is about bringing destruction, to put shame on people, to keep things in the dark so it festers. The Greek word for pornea, which is found 26 times in the original Greek in the New Testament simply means illicit sexual activity. Pornea is the most common root word for the English word pornography, and according to Strong's concordance, its literal meaning is to prostitute or to sell. And we know that there is the strongest link between porn, prostitution, and trafficking. Prostitution and trafficking funds Porn this world of pornography is deteriorating because 30 years ago, the majority of porn sites would fall into the category of images that were intended to cause arousal. Today, 88% of porn falls into the category of violence and aggression against women. You see, the way the addiction kind of pattern works, if you had to take a scale of naught to 10, not being depression, 10 being your wedding day or the birth of a child or you got 12 A's at school, whatever it is. It's kind of those highlights. Most people live between 3 and 7. That's where we fluctuate. Okay. Now the first time you have a hit of, of, of um, a drug or you watch a porn video or you drink alcohol, what happens is your kind of, dopamine levels go up to a 9, maybe a 10, maybe even higher. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. But if your base level low is a three, when you come off that first high, you're going to come down to maybe a minus two. So then you go, oh, I don't really like this place, so I want more. So I do the same behavior again, but it doesn't get me to as high as the first time. It maybe gets me a notch lower. So I've either got to up what I take, or I'm never going to find the same kind of fix. What ends up up happening over time is eventually an addict's high is maybe a two, and their low is a minus something. You see, whatever you escape to, you'll become enslaved by. And that's what we see in the world all the time. Porn is damaging, porn is addictive. If you look at the slide, it has the same impact on your brain as heroin. I don't know if you've got that one I sent. They've taken images of the brain with somebody who's on heroin, with somebody who's highly addicted to pornography, and it's the exact same visual image. The more we feed the primal part of our brain... The more we train uh, ourselves to bypass our free frontal cortex, and in a sense, this part of our brain is the CEO of our mind. It makes good decisions. It helps us with impulse control and planning. It helps us control our emotions, and it helps us make good judgments. But when I keep bypassing my prefrontal cortex, over time, studies have shown that actually there's a decrease in the gray matter in our brain So when we choose to turn to porn, you are actually destroying your own brain cells. Porn is damaging because it objectifies people. A person becomes a means to an end. This feeds into higher rates of abuse and rape. Because a person is merely an object for my gratification. And I see this in the counseling room in marriages because so many couples come in and she's like, well, I don't have the right to have an expectation in my marriage. I don't have a right to have my own desires. I'm just there to be a means to an end, to please him. And it's destroying so many marriages. Porn also damages a person's normal functioning. A survey was done in 2017 that showed already, this was in Canada, 43% of adolescents who used regular porn were unable to have erectile normalities. There was a dysfunction. Poor reports show that men who use porn regularly eventually can't perform naturally without the use of it. And I've counseled couples who are struggling in that place. She's like, unless he watches porn, we can't have sex. There's a, a little kind of I don't know what you want to call it, but it's called a prairie voles. I don't know if you've ever heard of this animal. It's this tiny little rodent like thing. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Apparently, this is the most monogamous animal in the mammal world. And the, the scientists have studied this, this little creature, and they've realized it has high levels of a bonding hormone called vasopressin nicknamed the monogamy molecule scientists did an experiment where they actually removed this hormone from these little critters and they were intrigued to find that they started sleeping around now the interesting thing about porn is that it interacts with men from a testosterone perspective and men who constantly watch porn they end up bonding with the images that they are watching, which causes their Vaspirin levels to decrease, lowering their ability to stick or bond with a spouse, which is why infidelity becomes so high. It's kind of like taking duct tape and sticking it and unsticking it over and over again and then wondering why it loses its stickiness. But the good news is that all of this that I've spoken about can be reversed. I've got friends who were so incredibly addicted to porn that they were almost arrested multiple times for indecent exposure and prostitution because their addiction just decreased and decreased to such low levels of desperateness. And they're living healthy, happy, married lives, speaking into the space about a God that is a God of redemption. And I don't tell you all of these things because I want to bring shame or heaviness on the room. Hosea talks about the fact that people are perishing. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. And my heart is to speak truth into these spaces, to give you insights into the dangers that are out there. So how do we safeguard marriage when it comes to sex? Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this, Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. Marriage should be honored, it doesn't say, by all those who are married. It says marriage should be honored by all. Every decision you are making right now, even if you're not married, should be one that will honor your marriage or the marriage of the person that you're in a relationship with. Porn doesn't honor marriage, nor is it keeping the marriage bed pure. Because every image, every video, every person that you've been with or watched will climb into your marriage bed some points in life. I've got a friend who was a virgin when she got married. She's a PK kid, a pastor's kid. She married a guy that when he went to varsity, sewed his wild oats out there, thought he was the bee's knees. Then he got saved later, came into church. He's now a pastor. And they struggled in the first few years of their marriage. Because she was constantly wondering to herself, does he compare me with every other girl he's been with? And she wasn't able to relax. She wasn't able to put her mind into that process because she was petrified that she wasn't good enough. And it wrecked years of their marriage. Josh McDowell says this, the number one hurting person in the church today, globally, are the spouses of pornography addicts. Because it causes so much rejection and pain. You see, if marriage is going to be honored by all, then we need to start safeguarding it now. How we communicate, how we stand up and fight for what is honorable and right. Are you honoring God and your marriage with what you do with your body in light of your marriage to come? Are you honoring what you do with your eyes in light of your marriage to come? Are you honoring marriage by how you speak about men or women or women? Because I know a lot of girls that are so brokenhearted by how they have been treated that they almost don't want anything to do with men anymore because, you know, men are just this or men are just that. And I know that's not truth. 1 Corinthians thirteen, three, I mean, 13, 7 says, It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do and say nothing. It's time we speak up. It's time we educate ourselves about the dangers that are out there. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual morality because this is a sin against your own body. It doesn't this kind of say hang around or you know, linger or take a few steps back. <laughs> Flee, run, run as fast as you possibly can. And I can't wait to see a generation that stands up and fights for marriage, fights for the things that seek to destroy it. There really is hope. What I'm going to be doing after this evening's service is I'm going to be putting a, a link to Project Exodus in the chat on your Facebook page underneath the live broadcast. If anybody does want a resource... They're the guys to turn to Most of their support groups are online through Zoom, so it's accessible by anyone, anywhere. If you are already struggling in this space, don't wait. It's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I hope that just some of the stats I've shared have shown you that addictions kind of has one direction, and that's down. I read a really great quote a couple of weeks ago. It says this, Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Obesity is hard, being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard, being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard, not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. I added this one in. Recovery from porn is hard. The damaging effects of porn is hard. Choose your heart. Life will never be easy. It'll often be hard. But we get to choose our hard. Pick wisely. You see, I'm either going to choose short-term pleasure. And I know we live in a world of short-term pleasure. Eat the donut. The donut is so good. Donuts are yummy. I love donuts. <laughs> short-term pleasure. But if I keep making short-term pleasure choices, long-term, where am I going to end up? Long-term pain, short-term pain is getting up to go to gym, making the right choices, but long-term it leads to pleasure. The only difference between the two is that there is one that is a pain of discipline and the other is a pain of regret. And I counsel those who are living in the pain of regret and the journey back is so much harder You can exhale now. The porn talk is over. <sighs> the next threat that in a sense uh, is a threat to the safeguarding, the unity of marriage when it comes to sex is the idea of building on unstable foundations. Matthew 7:24 to 27 talks about the wise man who built his house on, his, on, on a rock. And when rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew, it beat against that house, but it did not fall because it was built on solid rock. And anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man that built his house in sand. And when the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat on the house, it fell down with a crash. You see, God's word and truth is wisdom. The reality is a house that is built on sand will stay standing while the sun is shining. A relationship built on sex will stay standing whilst the sun is shining. But storms will come. And it's only when a storm hits that you realize the importance of building on a solid foundation. So don't wait for the storms, put the wisdom in now. When I was young, a youth pastor, so this was just a few years ago, a youth pastor taught us about the four cylinders of relationships, emotional safety, intellectual stimulation, spiritual unity, and sexual attraction. Now he said when most people meet, I don't know if you've got those slides, when most people meet, they're kind of drawn to what we call sexual attraction, and that's the tank that's full. You know, like, ooh, I like this guy. We don't know anything about him yet, so there's no emotional safety. We haven't really had many deep conversations. We're still figuring out our spiritual unity. Now, if a a relationship only invests in the sexual attraction part, I think he's really cute, I think she's really pretty, what happens when you have your first conflict? The second you have your first conflict, sexual attraction is gone. There's nothing left to sustain your relationship. And I see this again and again and again. If we don't invest in all four of these cylinders, when conflict comes along, you've got a really big problem. There's nothing to sustain. You see, we need need to meet people, next slide, where we're investing in all four of these cylinders. Because I'm telling you now, even when you're married and those who are married in the house will know, conflict will come. The last thing you want to do when you're in conflict is have sex. And you need emotional safety. You need intellectual compatibility. You need spiritual unity. If you go to the next slide, when you're in conflict, to have a firm foundation to stand on so that your relationship can endure those tough times. This is why it's so important that we invest in all of these spaces. My husband told me that his grandfather said to him when he was a young man, I can imagine him going, boy... (laughs) Whatever a girl catches you with, she's got to keep you with. Whatever a girl catches you with, she has to keep you with. Girls, if you try and use your body to catch a man, you better make sure you keep your body in top-notch because that's what you're going to need to use to keep him. Shall I just drop the mic and walk off? (laughs) whatever you catch a guy with you're going to have to keep him with I made my husband wait four months before I gave him his first kiss and this November we'll be married for 11 years because there were, as I said we only got married at 36 but there were a couple of guys that I dated before that, well I thought we were dating and they were like, no, the, you, we're just friends. I'm like, I don't kiss just friends. And then I realized, you know what, things are changing so fast, Where nowadays a kiss, actually nowadays sex is just considered a hug or a handshake. It's devaluing things. And so I decided before I met him, the next man i marry, the next, yeah, the next man I kiss, I need to marry. <laughs> Did I get that wrong? The next man, um, kiss. Yeah. Sorry, I have verbal dyslexia and brain dyslexia, so I often get things muddled up. It's like I always park my car in the park <laughs> It's fun, just go with it. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. See, It's getting hot up here. <laughs> the reality is, we need to make decisions for our lives because whatever decisions we make is going to impact our future. And divorce is hard. It's, it's, it, it wrecks people. Relationships can be hard. Don't give these things away so easily. They really are beautiful, cherishing things that we've got to hold on to. So to those who are dating, use wisdom when it comes to choosing your partner. Build your house, your relational health on a firm foundation because when the storms of life hit, and they will, your marriage will stay standing. The third threat to safeguarding unity in marriage when it comes to sex is what I call a debt debtor mindset. The biggest mindset that robs intimacy and safety in relationships and marriage is this debt debtor mindset. You see, every couple start off with dreams and hopes for their relationships. And this is not wrong, you know, ah. I dream and I hope that, you know, he'll bring me coffee in bed every morning and, and that his breath will smell good after a whole night's sleep and that, you know, and I and I dream and hope that she will just look like, you know, whatever in the morning and her hair will be perfect and makeup still on and I, you know, I have these dreams and hopes for my relationship that he will he will do dishes every night after I cook him a three course meal and <laughs> But somewhere along the journey of the dreams and the hopes, it turns to an expectation. It's no longer just a hope. I expect you to do this. I expect you to do that. I counseled a couple where he would take his wife on lavish holidays and then he expected sex. He said, well, but look what I've done. And whether she felt like it or not, she felt like I have to That's not love. That's a debt-debtor relationship. You owe me. How many of you have a loan with the bank? For a car, for studies, for a house? The bank doesn't desire you to pay them back. They expect you to pay them back. And if you do pay, there's no letter of gratitude. Like, I'm so grateful that you paid us back the money that we loaned you. Thank you so much. But if you don't pay, you get a letter of demand. You see, a debt debtor relationship robs intimacy. It turns it into an "you owe me" relationship. There's no appreciation, no intimacy. How do we break a debt debtor mindset when it comes to relationships? I guess the question you've got to ask yourself is, what does anybody owe you? The answer is nothing. Ephesians 5, 21, 5, 22, and 5, 25 says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as. The phrases that I want you to focus on is out of reverence, as to the Lord, just as. You see, here's how it works. Jesus gave his life for you and me. He paid the price. That's like you being in millions and millions of rands debts and somebody comes up to you and goes, you know what? Here's all the money that you have. I've, I've just canceled your debt. You're debt free. Your response is gonna be of one of huge gratitude of like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, I don't know how to repay you. And Jesus goes, I do know how you can repay me. Take the gratitude and the love and the all that you have for me out of a sense of being totally overwhelmed for what I've done for you and serve your spouse with it as unto the Lord. You love them as unto the Lord. You, you serve them as unto the Lord. You put them first as unto the Lord. It's not a debt-debtor relationship. It's the one of dying to self and putting somebody else before you. Imagine if people who are married eventually go, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, I'm dying to self. You go first. <laughs> if that's the worst conflict you have, then that's great. One, one I'm going back to 1 Corinthians thirteen seven says, because love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We need to raise up a culture where we protect marriage, even if we're not married, by the choices we make. The marriage bed should be kept pure by all. We need to live in a a world that doesn't want to honor marriage, and we we need to start being spokespeople into a place that, that honors marriage. We need to make sure we're building on right foundations, where we put each other first. You see, when we put these types of practices into practice, we're going to start to change a culture. One of the things I'm most passionate about is working myself out of a job. I want to give people tools and insights into the dangers of how people are doing it wrong. I always say there's three kinds of people in the world. Those that learn from their mistakes, those that learn from the mistakes of others, and those that just don't learn. Which one are you? You've got truth today. You can make a choice of how you live the rest of your life. My hope is that you choose truth. Can we all stand? I'm not going to embarrass anybody by saying, right, if you struggle with pornography, come forward. But what I do want to say is that if you really are struggling, and I know I know there are people here struggling already. Can I encourage you that as you lean in now, the last chorus of the song we sung right before I started to speak was talking about how the prodigal comes home and it intersects with truth and grace. A father that goes, you know what? I don't care that you've been in a pigsty. I love you and my, you're my son, you're my daughter. It's time to come home. What I love about the story of the prodigal son is that it was when he was in the pig star that he said to himself, it is better back home. And that's what my prayer is for you. That's not. There might be people right now that feel like in their minds and their hearts and their spirit, they're in a pig star and they don't know what to do with it and they feel so ashamed. But when the prodigal started his journey back home, the father came running for him. And when you start your journey back home, I know the father's gonna come running for you. So father, I just lift up every person here. You know where they are, you know the messes they're in, you know the pain that they have, you know the the shame that so many carry. Father, I pray that today prodigals will start to come home. They will say, hey, I need help. I can't do this anymore. I am in a mess. And Father, I pray that you will meet them with a ring and a robe, that you will speak life, that you will speak love, that you will speak redemption, that you will speak recovery, that you will speak truth over your sons and daughters, that who they are is not dependent on what they've done, that who they are is the fact that you knit them together in your mother's womb, that they're precious to you, Father. And so Lord, I pray that right now that you'll minister to those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those that are lost, and that you will call prodigals home. We pray these things, and all God's people said, Amen.